Hi, you guys. It's me, Liz Clayman, your favorite. Oh, not your favorite. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> thank you all so much for tuning in to Everyone Talks to Liz. You have no idea how much it means to me. I mean, basically, it means the world to me. This week, I decided I wanted to play back one of my most popular episodes. People went nuts over this one. It was one of the most downloaded. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. You guys know this. It is tough enough slashing your way through the corporate jungle to reach your dreams, but it can become near impossible when you encounter the snakes and killer spiders out there in the form of managers and employees and coworkers. How have those, and I always wonder this, how have those who've succeeded donned a Teflon skin? I mean, how do they do that? And what happens when even the toughest of cloaks gets shredded by devastating personal loss? My guest today has a, a really cool gig. She's the CEO of hair care giant Olaplex, which started as a cult product, and now it is sold worldwide and growing like, you know, normally I would say a weed, but how about healthy hair? When you might be stunned, though, to hear what Jui Wong encountered as she entered the professional world and maybe even more amazed at how she picked herself up off the floor after losing the most important person in her life. You need to hear how she fought through, and I am so glad she is sharing her story with Everyone Talks to Liz. Julie, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Liz, for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I mean, first of all, Olaplex, for, for those few who don't know what it is, I mean, this is now such a huge, huge hair care company that you run. How did you get uh, the job? I mean, that that I'm just very interested in right off the bat. Yes. I mean, like if you think about it, I didn't get the job because I wanted it. But I have really always looked at turnaround and really cut my teeth on that. And then over time, as you are able to look at turnaround, Private, and I usually work for private equity-backed brands. Right. And so Advent International is a private equity, but Olaplex wasn't a turnaround story. It was a growth story. But being on that ability to be noticed by private equity is probably one of the areas that I found very helpful. And so when they were looking for someone, they obviously talked to their private equity contacts. And one thing led to another, and my name surfaced uh, to the top. And then when I started talking to them and understanding what the nature of the opportunity is, the rest then is history. But it took me 20 years to get to this place. Oh, that. well, that's okay. That's where we start digging in. Jui, let, let me just sort of press the rewind button. Tell me about your childhood, where you grow up, how your parents felt about kids being business leaders. Give us a, a window into your world. Absolutely. I mean, it's a great question. I mean, I come from Singapore and Singapore is but a punctuation on the map. I mean, essentially, nobody knows where it is if it wasn't for the financial markets. So <laughs> when I was very young, I think my parents knew that to keep me satisfied, they gave me a name and they explained to me what my name is. And that's why to today, I have never given myself any other name. I've used my Chinese name throughout my career. And my name in Chinese essentially means I will get whatever my heart desires. But I also know that that was just being auspicious. It wasn't reality. And so having that name, having my parents basically tell me, do anything you want. 
as long as you apply yourself. And I remember one time when I was helping with house chores and I kind of did a sloppy job on it. And my mom told me, if that is how you're going to apply yourself in your life, you will never amount to anything. Mom, so mom, tough. Yes, mom was very tough. And so I then told myself, okay, whatever I do, I'm going to apply myself and be the best at it. And so over time, and I remember very distinctly at 12 years old, as my mom was like just telling me about things and I kind of like let that be white noise. And I looked out of my high rise apartment window because in Singapore, all you have are high rises because land is so scarce. Mm -hmm. And I looked out and I told my mom, you know, one day I will get away from you and I'll be working in the Big Apple and you'll come (laughs) visit me. And my mom is like, what do you mean? And she never asked me that question again. And fast forward, come 1999, I found myself um, in the, rather 1996, I found myself in the U.S., And then that was where I have never really gone anywhere but been here. Started off in Arizona, went to L.A., New York, Atlanta, and then back to New York. Well, I'm glad you brought up the the jumping around because you kind of don't get to the top if you just remain anchored to where you're most comfortable. Tell me about your first professional opportunity and then some of the kind of difficult challenges you faced once you got there. Yes. I mean, I cut my teeth really as a commodities trader with Cargill for almost 10 years. And I started that where I was fresh out of school. And I chose that career primarily because I was very good in business, but not very good in my numbers. And I knew that in order for me to ever advance, I needed exposure, experience and expertise in understanding numbers. And there was no place better than in trading because you're only as good as your last trade. And when you're trading fundamentals, you need to analyze the physical commodities and then also the technical aspects of what that trading range is for that specific day or that specific trade. Okay, wait, Chewie, this is is another thing I, I really want our listeners to hear. You embrace the very thing you were not good at. Yes. And that, again, was from childhood because, again, I always wanted to do things that was easy. And I remember my dad telling me once, he said, look, if you keep doing this and you're already very good at it, I'm not sure whether people have done this before. I will start with a problem like in math and I'll just go very early on in the early lessons where it's very easy to get 100 percent. But as I progress in the whole um, worksheet, it got more and more difficult. And when it got difficult, I kind of gave up and I started from the front again. And my dad said, how are you ever going to get better if you're already very good at what you're doing, but you're not getting better at what mm. you're not good at? And, and again, you know, it sticks in your head as a child. I mean, obviously, I didn't do much with it. But as I went into, you know, when I graduated from college, I then asked myself, what is it? I, the world was in front of me. There was nothing that I had to be, right? Because I wasn't in, I didn't do medicine or law or engineering. I, I basically could do anything. So I chose an area where I knew that it wasn't all about finance. 
But at the same time, mm-hmm. data was important. Like you well, needed to analyze your business. What kind of commodities were you trading? And folks, for so those I, of you who don't know this Wall Street term terminology that we're throwing out, commodities are anything from steel to oil to wheat to corn. Yes. So I started with soft commodities. So I started with sugar, soybean meal, and then I ended uh, trading crude oil and foreign exchange. Uh, all for Cargill. And so it made it very much from something that was very cyclical and seasonal and growth because, you know, there were times where you're harvesting, there are times that you're growing when it comes to soft commodities Mm -hmm. to crude oil and Forex where it was very fast moving. Drought. I I mean, there are so many challenges when it comes to all different uh, kinds of commodities. But when you were there at Cargill, talk about some of the the real mountains you came up against and how you either climbed them or or went around them. Yeah, it it was tough because I was really the few female traders. Uh, But at that time, I didn't realize it. I just thought, okay, I chose this job. I was in Singapore when they recruited me as a merchandising trainee. And there were a lot of uh, senior leadership who were from America, who were American expatriates. So I felt like, okay, the reverse could happen for me. They can come to Asia. I will be able to go to the West. Yeah. And that was really what I wanted to do. And so while, we're, while I was working with them, it became very obvious that they wanted us to stay put where we are. And so very early on, I talked to my boss and I also seeked out mentors uh, in the organization. And the reason why I did that was not that I knew mentors were important or sponsors were important, but I knew that I needed to talk to somebody who was more senior than I, who could guide me and at least give me some direction. And when I confided in this person, they were very instrumental in helping me get to that next level. And my next level was very simple. I told them, I'm willing to move anywhere in the world as long as it is not Singapore. <laughs> and so that was what happened. They told me, okay, if you say that, then we will find you a place. So with Cargill in the seven to 10 years I was with them, I started off in Singapore, then I was in Hong Kong, Thailand, Geneva, and London. So I went to a lot of these places and I've never you know, regretted it, but obviously it has an impact on your family. Yeah. So you know, I was a mom, I was a wife, but it was difficult. I mean, I had my kids basically telling me that, you know, you don't care about us. Go do what you want to do. I had my son waking up one night, you know, crying, not for me, but for for his nanny. And it breaks your heart because that is a true moment, right? When a child has nothing to hide and they are calling out for the one person that they want to be by their bedside. You know, that is... That that actually happened to me. <laughs> uh, I was trying. I'm not laughing. I mean, it was it was shocking to me. But I was trying to break my daughter, who at the time was two and a half, from watching four episodes of Dora the Explorer every night before she'd go to sleep because I was working the three a.m. shift oh at uh, you know on financial news, and I had to go to sleep. And we would. Oh, it was just horrible. So I was trying to break her from it cold turkey. And as I'm carrying her up the stairs after dinner and I said no Dora tonight she began kicking screaming and sobbing and then she yelled out our nanny's name which was Kelly and she said Kelly help me Kelly and I said (laughs) Kelly ain't here honey Kelly is done for the day you're stuck with mommy but my heart did really squeeze we're not done yet we'll be back in a moment 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, this is a this is a pretty important admission here uh, for a lot of our our listeners to hear because these kids have to understand that just because you become a mom doesn't mean you shed your personal dreams or yourself, right? Absolutely. And but you know the good thing is my kids are grown now, so there is a silver lining mm. because <laughs> now that they are older, they actually when we have conversations understood why we do what we done why we did as parents because they could have a life that when they look back now was very rich and they were able to experience things that most kids their age would not have i mean like they hated the idea that they were moving from school to school sure. but the fact that they were born born in london grew up in singapore thailand hong kong and and spent a lot some time in geneva wasn't a bad thing right and now they have a choice they now have some of my son has decided to stay in amsterdam and my daughter has decided that san francisco is where it is for her Uh, yeah so now it's mom you're Uh, cool you moved around and look what now look we get the benefit of that but at what point did you find yourself as as a woman trying to make her way in the business world well let's just call it what it was harassed yeah, I mean, it, you know, you always hear about harassment. You right. always hear about people undermining someone. And you always think, ah, it won't happen to me. It, you know, it's it's just something I read about, something that someone tells me. But when it happens to you, you realize that you think you are that strong and you, are, you may not be that strong. And then hindsight is always twenty twenty. I mean, I remember I wanted to be out of Singapore so badly that when an opportunity came up for me to uh, be posted to Hong Kong by another company, I accepted it without thinking. I basically thought, say, okay, it's going to get me to Hong Kong. I'm accepting the job. But I did not realize that it was there was a lot of financial implications. You know, the, the company wasn't going to pay for housing. They were not going to pay for education for, for, for my kids uh, mm-hmm. if I had a family. But then worst of all, the, the individual wanted to have dinner prior to me signing off on the offer. I told my uh, husband at that time, and he kind of said, this is really odd that you should sign the offer letter first, not have dinner, and then sign the offer letter. Right. I kind of like, no, it's fine. You know, this guy is very senior. He's not going to, you know, he's going to be uh, go- going to be helpful. And obviously he wasn't. He wanted more. <sighs> and it was just very shocking because I always thought that senior people have integrity, they're ethical, 
And since then, I've been more skeptical and I always warn, you know, my, my daughter to, if, if anything, just don't take people at face value. Be a little bit skeptical. Well, it does help you survive. To that end, Julie, how do you put that very strong, as I said, Teflon skin around you that you project, I am here to kick butt and I am here to do well for this company. Let's leave everything else by the wayside, please. Yes. I mean, it's easier said than done sometimes. And I look at it this way. I ask myself, if I didn't do it, would I really regret it? Or would I say it's okay? I can, you know, I can pick it up, pick up where I left off. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it happens. For, for instance, I made a very conscious decision to uh, quit PepsiCo when I was probably at a height with them. I mean, I was on the board of directors for their China operations. I was then a director with them in PepsiCo in Asia Pacific. I was fast tracked mm. to really do more with them. But at that time, my, my late husband decided that he wanted to move the family back to the US in Arizona because he, he, he was an only child. And I then said, okay, I will do that for the kids and for the family. Okay. And obviously, it was tough. I mean, and by the time I came to the US, I had two years when nobody wanted to hire me. Mm. And the reason why no one wanted to hire me was because they said, look, your experience is in international. You've got no US experience and the US is a big market. And what happened was I made a very conscious decision that I wasn't going to hold on to my title and to the job that I had, but instead be free to start a new career. Mm. And so in 1996, after 10 years as a commodities trader, working for PepsiCo in managing their counter trade, as well as their foreign exchange balancing department, I then opted to become a brand manager at the Dial Corporation. I took a massive, massive pay cut. My boss even asked me, are you sure you want to do this? And I say, yes, if I'm going to start afresh, then I need to start from the bottom up. I can't expect to be, you know, someone else's manager where I do not know what I'm managing. Mm. So very quickly, I, I I was a brand manager, but I never had a chip on my shoulder because I knew I was starting. But it was very tough. I was the, you know, I started off from being the youngest for everything to being the oldest. In everything. <laughs> yeah, I know was, how that feels. <laughs> yes. And, and so one thing led to another. And I look back now. If I didn't make that decision, I would constantly be harping about the past and why I did what I did and hold resentment against my family and my husband. And I did not want that. No, of course not. But you you threw in and I don't know if our listeners caught it, but you said my then my now late husband. What happened and and how did you overcome the pain of what did occur and pick yourself back up and forge ahead again? Yeah, it, it was probably the toughest thing that happened in my life because up until then, I've never really known anyone close to me that has passed away. And to start with my husband was really something quite devastating. So yeah, I, it was my third weekend in Atlanta where I just accepted a seat, my first CEO job. And he had a massive heart attack and and sort of kill over that very morning. It was, I still remember it was September the 8th. It was the Monday after Labor Day weekend. 
And our wedding anniversary was September the 11th, 1996. Wow. So, I mean, you know, so it, it was just one of those things that you sit down and you say it's really, really surreal. But because it was my third weekend on the job, I actually had a choice. I could have gone to the private equity and I could have said, look, I need to go back to New York. I really cannot do this. They ju- We just rented a place that was five bedroom for the two of us because we, you know, we the kids were going to come over. And then I sat myself down and I said, I really wanted this job. My husband moved, you know, with me to do this. And now I'm just going to give it up because emotionally I can't pull it all together. Mm. That doesn't seem right. So I decided to stay on the job. But obviously, you emotions get the better of you. And I would go home every night and I would just bawl my eyes out. And I'm one of those people when I cry, it, my eyes get so puffy that the next morning it doesn't the swelling doesn't come down. I still have very puffy eyes. Oh, and so every day when I, come back, I go back to the office and I'll just say, "Oh, it's allergies," you know. And and I never really let anyone know what was happening. But it does heal over time. You get better, but sometimes the pain is still there. But the pain is what drives me on because my hus- my late husband has been the most supportive person Mm. ever in my career. He's done everything imaginable to help me move forward. And so I wasn't going to let him down because ultimately my life on some level is his legacy. Oh, Julie, he's he's up there listening to this right now and watching you now run this company, Olaplex, which all these celebrities, they love these hair bonding products and you know, hair loss is a really big deal for so many Americans. Uh, tell me about what it makes you feel when you are working at a company that that has these products that people are really turning to at this point. And what kind of advice do you give people about leading and making a difference in other people's lives? Yeah, I think it's a huge responsibility. And I think therefore the messaging and how we talk about what Olaplex can truly do for them has to be very, very measured. And it also has to be quantifiable by independent clinicals. And mm-hmm. that's why I spent so much of you know, my career in every brand that I've been with, including Olaplex, where we want to prove out what does the product do for you? Because remember, we are not a pharmaceutical or medical product. We are right. still a cosmetic product. Right. And so there's really only so much you can do. And there are people hanging on every word that you say. In today's social media, where it is a headline or a soundbite, therefore the responsibility is on the brand's shoulders. And my advice to people would be, you know, don't look at the short term. Don't try to make something out of some nothing, hoping for the best. Stay on the long game, deliver on what you promise, and along the way, you may not get to what you want as quickly, but you will get there because honesty is definitely the best policy. Oh, I I love this. I I once heard Andre DeShields, who is a Tony Award winner, 
in his 70s. He won his first Tony Award in his 70s after starring in Town. And in his acceptance speech, he said, yeah, it's taken me a long time. The devil wants you to take a limo, but God wants you to walk. And I'm not really that religious or anything, but I just love that comment. And you've, you've reaffirmed it in such an eloquent way. Jewy, congratulations on your climb. You feel to me like the type of person who's never going to stop. And I have learned so much from you right now. So thank you. Thank you so much, Liz, for giving me a way to connect with your audience. Oh, my goodness. And what an audience we have. Uh, To my listeners, how much, again, do I just fangirl over you and adore you? Thank you so much for tuning in to all of these amazing stories. And I, I really hope you grabbed so much of what Dewey just talked about, because, wow, what a journey and what a story. Thank you so much, and uh, I will see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, as always, live in living color on the Fox Business Network for The Claim and Countdown. Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.